Sometimes I wish I was more keen. It would simplify things, wouldn't it, to know there is a limit to life, so that time is precious. To be able to share things like grey hair, parenthood. No one can choose who they are, not you, not me, not Paul, not... I know. I remember we are what we are. Paul hated growing old without me. We go on and everything around us dies. Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where we watch each and every episode of Highlander the series and discuss it in detail. We're going to start with another question. This time it's going to be, what would your immortal job be? Uh, Keith here. Um, if I had, was an immortal, I think my immortal job would be like a professor or something. I, I, oh, that's I, cool. Yeah, I, or, or, or like a philosopher or some, something that's like kind of heady and having a lot of experience or time to like research and do things. And, uh, I think it would be a, an interesting job. Professor of what though? Um, I guess like the, it would make sense to be like professor of history. Maybe I guess. I think a nutty professor. Ooh, the clumps. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so your moral job would be nutty professor to the clumps. Yep. All right. <laughs> That's a good answer. I like that. Yeah. This is Eamon. And I was thinking about this long and hard and I thought an author would be a good one. Because people wouldn't necessarily have to know what you look like. And on depending on how old you are, you could have a lot of knowledge on historical things. You could write like historical fiction or something. Um, I think that would be a good low profile gig. That's a good one. Kyle here. I think we're all kind of thinking in the same vein in terms of what a good immortal job would be. I was thinking a journalist would be mm. a good job because yeah. so much of what your job is involves context and you would have the advantage of having lived through all of it. So you'd really be able to contextualize things. Similarly, most certainly print journalists, their, their faces aren't famous right. in any way, shape or form. And you'd probably get really good at doing that kind of research, especially if you're doing investigative stuff, you know, you'd know where all the old skeletons were buried. It'd be a cool gig. Yeah. Very Duncan good. certainly uh, has a talent for snooping. Yes. He's, He's the master sleuth, master hacker, <laughs> Duncan McLeod. All right. Master uh, Macker? Ooh, master Macker. <laughs> yeah. I Double like meaning there. Yeah. Let's start off with a little reader mail. Uh, this is from Andy C. He writes, hey, guys, love the show. I'm really enjoying to walk through Highlander again and appreciate the good and the bad. Thanks for doing this. Well, you're welcome, Mr. Andy. Uh, my question is this. The first season obviously struggles to find its footing, as is the way with most TV shows. But I think the second half really finds a groove starting with Band of Brothers and continues once everything moves to Paris. Do you guys think this is a result of the location change? If maybe that shook everything up? Perhaps the new French crew just brought good ideas to the production? Or was it simply that the writers and crew were finally beginning to figure out what worked better? Thanks again for the great podcast. Andy. Hmm. Well, didn't you say when the Paris started, they got that new writer guy? I mean, is that kind of just like two things happening at once? Yeah, David Abramowitz kind of really started taking over, I think, the reins of the show mid-season. And so I think that's a big part of the change. Yeah, I'd say I think the biggest effect of moving locations is just the visual quality improves so much because their locations are so much better, so much more visually compelling. And that really ups the, the ante for a lot of these episodes, just quality wise. 
And then coupled with the fact that they're kind of starting to find their footing on these these episodes. Yeah, I think it's a mixed bag of stuff. Like the new writers, them finding their groove. I think all the actors kind of becoming more confident and comfortable in their their roles. But yeah, it definitely changes. Band of Brothers is the like the big turning point right. for the show. All right, let's get into this week's episode. This is episode 17, Saving Grace. It first aired Saturday, March 13th, 1993. Uh, it was directed by Ray Austin. He's back. He was the uh, he was the Zorro director. He It was also written by Elizabeth Baxter. This is her first of six episodes, plus she did a hmm. Raven episode, which was the, uh, the spinoff, and she's kind of just only done a, a small amount of TV. Nancy Drew. Ooh. Mm. Uh, it, it guest stars George Corafas. Uh, as Carlos Sendaro. Um, he's done a ton of French TV. Um, also, Julie Stamberger as Grace. Um, she's done a bunch of Austrian and German TV, so we're not really familiar with these actors, but I have a feeling they're probably pretty big deals in Europe. Yeah, well, I read that the Cora uh, Face dude was in Escape from L.A., Oh wow! which is an awesome movie. As, oh, as who? I have no idea, so we'll have to rewatch that. We'll have to put on our Nancy Escape Drew from, skirt and yeah. find out more yeah, clues do about some that. Sleuthing. Es- Escape from L.A. rewatched. Yeah, if you guys know, write in. <laughs> I wanted to mention one of the other writers, uh, Martin Brasolet. I'm probably mispronouncing that. He worked on some of the episodes of the Adventures of Tintin cartoon, oh, which wow. is a pretty good cartoon. It's like pretty close to the Tintin comics, which are some of my favorite comics of all time awesome. so i thought that was pretty cool that's neat yeah. yeah um also uncredited in this is marion uh cotillard um, yes <laughs> uh she appears in a later episode so we'll talk about more her more then but we know her from a lot of i mean she's like a big movie star now and this yeah. is only i think her second imdb credit so can we spoil the dark knight rises or should I, we not spoil i that? think we can spoil the dark knight rises she's talia al ghul Ooh. that's yeah. pretty cool Spoiler, sorry. Um, so the IMDb episode description for this episode is Grace, an immortal who is focused on healing rather than fighting, is framed for the murder of her mortal husband by an obsessed ex-lover, the immortal Carlos Sendaro. Duncan must step in to protect her from her own weakness. Boo. <laughs> what is that? I wrote from you her own next weakness. to that. Yeah. yeah, her own weakness. Goodness, though, what the <laughs> fuck is that? I, I, I don't know if this is like a translation error again on part of whoever did this, but yeah, that's what insane. Is that, what does that mean? <laughs> that is kind of weird. We don't, have, we don't even have time to unpack that. Yeah. <laughs> We basically open up with like uh, someone's driving around oh. humming "Amazing Grace," right? <laughs> Which, when I wrote the title down, once I saw that somebody's name was Grace in this fucking episode, I was like, "All right, come on!" <laughs> I'm like surprised the title of the episode wasn't "Amazing Grace" because they play that fucking song forty two thousand <laughs> times in this episode. But anyway, but they maximize the number of puns they use. That's on it. right. So saving Grace, Amazing Grace. Let's all say grace. Grace under fire. We say grace before we record each podcast, by the way. <laughs> and then we save her from her own weakness. <laughs> That's right. uh, so we cut to inside a hospital, and there's two people that are fighting. Uh, this older guy, his name is, what was his name, Paul? Paul, yeah. And he is fighting with Grace. Grace is an immortal young lady. Yeah. Or not young lady. Paul and- thinks Grace wants Jack. Right. Jack is the 20-year-old lab, lab assistant. assistant. This is in Paris. Paul, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're a little cavalier with the whole naming conventions and where all the characters are from. But nevertheless, wherever he's from, Paul is a huge asshole. Yep. This guy's just the worst. <laughs> 
like he is very upset with her because she thinks he thinks that she's peeping on a younger man now that he is getting older for no reason really and and they don't even look that mismatched in age frankly yeah, yeah he doesn't yeah. seem like he's way way older than her well i got confused at this right off the bat because i thought she was breaking up with him but then he's like i'm breaking up with you before you it's that's <laughs> right. like you can't fire me i quit is it like this type of scenario yeah, yes, that's exactly what it is yeah, uh, okay. but she's apparently given no indication that that's gonna happen and then he just proves himself to be the hugest dick when she's when she goes to walk away from him and he like grabs her and a bunch of things fall and he screams like, don't you it. walk away from me yeah he, the dialogue is just absurd yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a, kind of a dick move but i i don't know if i think he's an asshole like in total like i, I think there's clearly they had stuff like going on before like sure. we just are seeing this particular fight uh like i think the scene's kind of effective for like a relationship falling apart and all this stuff i don't know uh, yeah it's a but great, I, I didn't, ex I didn't a great he... example of an emotionally immature relationship <laughs> go to hell don't turn your back on me <laughs> what why is this happening? Um, so we cut a little bit later. Paul's in the lab alone, and a mysterious figure comes in, shoots him, and then pours gasoline all over him and yep. lights him on fire. Yep. Uh, Pretty so, intense. So Paul's done. Yep. Uh, Paul is dead. Rest in peace, Paul. Um, oh, and the gas can that's used looks like a really i was waiting for that to be a clue of some kind because it is like an old timey gas can oh, like this thing that. looks like <laughs> yeah. an antique it's not like one of your standard little red things a gasoline or something it looks like an antique watering can <laughs> and he uses that to douse him with some kind of accelerant so after this we're now in the church with darius and duncan and this scene is crazy balls uh <laughs> this 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 whole scene, I don't know if it's like improv or not. Like it, the dialogue is really some of it has to be. It has to be. Yeah. It, it has the. I, I wrote a note that it feels like they slept over together, and like if this was in a romantic comedy, this would be like Darius is making Duncan an omelet, and like they're having cute like we just woke up there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I'm gonna disagree not with that part, but with the fact that some part of it was improvised. I think it was all scripted. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think you improvise about Pickett's charge. <laughs> and, like, I don't think that's well, just a topic of, of improvisation. Well, you want to play? Yeah, let's we, play some yeah. of this clip. It's funny what would drive men to their deaths. You know, neither Pickett nor Longstreet wanted to take that hill. He just but opened Lee the had oh, men. So he thought he was unbeatable. Pride mm. death goes before the fall. Jesus. And He's victory now stretching to those and just thrusting his grab. pelvis towards Darius. Careful, you're gonna knock that over. I think that's oh, that's, that's yeah. yeah. You He's like, careful, you're gonna knock it over. <laughs> but you still think like a warrior. Now Napoleon, on the other hand, was that book on Napoleon you had? Napoleon, that, that's over there. So this Napoleon thing. The war in the abstract up, is a great yeah. intellectual puzzle, but in reality, it's all blood and tears. <laughs> then why make it blood into a and game? Tears. To deny what I was is to deny what I am. Ooh, good line. Popeye. <laughs> I am what I am. So Darius is now Popeye. Yep, mm -hmm. the existential Popeye. I am what I am. <laughs> is Popeye an immortal? Yes. <laughs> so I, I, aside from the wackiness of this conversation, I do like where it goes at the end where Darius says, to deny what I was is to deny what I am. Darius is getting into some existential philosophy. Yep. And also, this becomes, I think, a big theme in this. This this idea gets brought up a couple more times. And it's definitely something I think that's an interesting story thread for any immortal. Because unlike the rest of us, we like 
we can look at back at our lives 20 years ago and be like, oh, well, I was like that. That like they have lifetime after lifetime and they can be different people. They can change. And uh, I guess they have to kind of reconcile all those different pasts they've had. And they often have to become literally different people after they've been killed in various ways or when their immortality is about to become apparent. So Grace uh, ends up coming in at this point. They get the buzz. She shows up. She's all upset. And she says, Paul is dead. And she sees Duncan there and she's like, oh, Duncan. Yeah, like they have they definitely have a past together, but we're not sure kind of what that is yet. Yeah, it's never quite fully spelled out it seems to me but and she also makes a comment like i guess she's known duncan has been in town and duncan's like well you should have like come by and we would have had dinner or something and she's like i didn't want to bring paul because he'd get jealous like of a handsome immortal man yeah uh which is kind of weird and i guess like because paul is an asshole (laughs) that is that is the theme (laughs) but i guess this this jealousy thing is part of the theme of the episode like he would get jealous of duncan Carlos, we find out, is jealous of Paul, I Who, suppose. I guess we find out at some point he murdered Right, Carlos, Paul. who's the villain of this episode, is yeah. the mysterious figure that set Paul on fire. <laughs> Which, I don't think they ever proved that. Oh, you know what? You're they, right. They never actually... It's very strongly oh, well, he, implied, he, but they never uncover evidence well, that Well, he, he plants the evidence, so I think you're just supposed to take that leap that he did it. I was waiting the whole goddamn time for the reveal to be that it was her. Oh wow! That she actually, she actually killed him, and Zandara's just happens to be stalking her. That, that would be a crazy. That twist. would have been a good twist. That's what I was expecting because they yeah. never actually find the ingredient, that clue that reveals that it was Zandara. Mm-hmm. So just throwing it out there, there might be an alternate universe where she murders Paul for like laying hands on her, and that takes care of that. Wow! And then Duncan will have to be like, oh, but you do know how to fight. Yeah. Anyway, whenever Duncan says Carlos Sandero, I had like I had no idea what he was saying. <laughs> it took me like five times of them yeah. saying this to figure out what the name is. He was like, "Well, what about Carlos Sandero?" And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I, I just have in my notes Carlos Zorro, Carlos <laughs> Zordon, <laughs> Carlos Zardas, <laughs> Zardas. Yeah, mm, Sean Connery. It's six degrees of Highlander. Uh, Zardas is a very bizarre sci-fi movie for those who are out there. Yeah, you should watch it. If you want to see Sean Connery in a weird, like, thong... Diaper. Like yeah. a man diaper. Yeah. <laughs> Which, who doesn't? I know I do. Uh, so, back on the barge, uh, I guess Duncan has invited Grace to come and stay there. And so she's in the shower. To just come over for a quick shower. Right. <laughs> yep. And, like, Tess shows up. And, like, Duncan tries to play it cool. Like, he's like, oh, uh, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know why he doesn't just say, hey, Tess, someone's here, uh, and explain it right away. There's, like, yeah. a lot of deflection well, for no reason. Yep. Well, she kind of opens by saying, like, I want to go to Normandy and do all this stuff. And he's like, about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know quite say he deflects, but he's clearly about to tell her when it becomes apparent that she's camping out. Right. And then Richie comes in, like, speaking French. Speaking French, yeah. He, yeah. He's, I, I translated that. <laughs> Uh, he wants to know what their plans are that evening, and he's like, can we all go out to dinner? <laughs> uh, and then he's like, is somebody here? Does Richie live with them at the barge, or does he live somewhere else? I think he lives with them at the barge. I think so. Okay. He's always, but it always seems like he is entering the barge. Right. Like, that is the common like, shot. He's always coming in. Right. Or pretending to be a politician when he's laying down. <laughs> like, like, I don't remember what initiates the flashback, but we get a flashback. Uh, yeah, Duncan says she's an old friend, and right. Tess goes, how, how old? old? Right. And then they start the flashback. And then the synth woodwinds start. <laughs> <laughs> you get a very well-costumed but puzzling flashback. Well, Duncan's doing his Ramirez impression here. Yeah, he's like land pirate Duncan. Yeah. yeah. 
and so he gets like ambushed by these two like highwaymen. <laughs> yeah, one of whom has an eye patch, patch and it's. It's it, this there's no beat, reason and this it needs pointless. to be there. Yeah, it's just an action beat that has nothing yeah. to do with anything. It he, doesn't even involve how he meets no, Grace. No, nope. it's just a scene. Like, he could just be galloping, and he hears a scream, and then he's like, what's this scream? And he gets the immortal buzz right. while he's hearing the scream. So he's his hackles are up. But he didn't need to fight these, you know, woodsmen or whatever the hell they were. So, but yeah, he hears a scream and he bursts in and says, I'm Dungu. And it's a midwife <laughs> and a woman giving birth. I'm taking a clue. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the woman giving birth, that's Marion Cotillard. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, Grace thinks Duncan is there for her head. Right. Uh, and she comes out and she's like, well, you might as well just take my head. Like, I'm not going to fight you and I'm too tired to run. And he's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not here. Like, I, I only want to admire your head or whatever he says. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so then I guess they become friends after that. And this oh. is the second time Amazing Grace is played in yep, this episode. again. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Before we move too far on from this flashback, two things. One, the giving birth scene is so long. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. Do, they are not interested in moving quickly through this, and she is absolutely screaming and writhing in agony. <laughs> yeah. This is not like, oh, the miracle of childbirth is so beautiful. This is like... <laughs> This is like a PSA. <laughs> Just like, ah, ah, ah. And they are not interested in cutting any of it. Nope. And then just to talk a little bit more about that meaningless action beat, the sound effects in it were absurd. Like, I kept on waiting for tweeting birds or something <laughs> to happen. Or like banana peel slipping noises. Like, everything is super exaggerated. I didn't catch that. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's a, a total cartoon yeah. beat-em-up, which was kind of entertaining, but... It was fine, but I'm just as like the second time I watched the episode, I was just like, "Wait a minute, this scene is absolutely pointless." Like, yeah. <laughs> so after this flashback, of course, Richie hits on Grace right away when she comes out of the. She the comes bathroom. out of the out of the shower in like a robe and a towel, and she's like, "Sorry, I'm not dressed because she doesn't have any clothes." Right. And then Richie's like, "I think you look great." <laughs> Like, Which is that is creepy as hell. That's extremely like, creepy. It's yeah. like avert your eyes. When somebody comes out of the shower, I'm not like staring at them, especially <laughs> somebody I don't know. Um, that's the difference between you and Richie <laughs> me and Ryan. Richie. Yeah, Ryan. apparently. R- Richie Ryan. Richie. Outside the barge, Duncan is, I guess, painting the barge. It needs a new coat of paint. And him, which just looks so silly. <laughs> he's got like this black sludge and he's spreading it on a black barge <laughs> to seemingly no effect. Right. Yep. Grace comes out and they have a, a discussion, which is, a, a, I think, an interesting discussion about like she wishes she was sometimes she wishes she was mortal, could have right. a baby. Mortal. And then there's an interesting thing. Duncan says to her, no one can choose who they are. I don't know. I feel like this show kind of is getting some of these themes a little mixed up or who yeah. believes what because... Well, in a later episode, he gives advice to somebody else that kind of, to me, contradicts what he's saying in this episode. Exactly. And in the episode Family Tree, like the whole point of that episode is like, Richie, you can choose who you are. Right. Uh, and I don't know. It's the way they phrase these these ideas. I think they, they come across a little contradictory. Yeah. And it's the fact that the for some reason, the lesson always has to come out of Duncan's mouth. Right. He they've decided someone that he always has to be the one dropping this wisdom. But then that just means that each episode sometimes teaches a contradicting lesson, but it has to come from the same messenger. Yeah. It'd be one thing if Darius said it or Tessa said it or something else, because that would be interesting, because then yeah. there'd be different points of view reflected. But instead, it just turns Duncan into a fruit smoothie of mixed up ideas. Right. 
also like if if what Darius is like espousing is like existential philosophy, like he ha- he only has part of it. You can't uh, you can't reject what you were before, but you can also decide what you want to be in the future. And like you have to like marry those two things, and that's called living in good faith and existentialism. Uh, but anyway, they, they kind of only deal with part of that message, I guess. I wanted to comment on during their little interaction, Tess comes out with a tray of coffee for them and catches him in a hug, right? Yeah, in, and, a, in an embrace. And 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 Grace runs away, kind of embarrassed. And Duncan's like, "Listen, you know, she's just my friend." Blah blah blah. But Tess is holding this tray for like forty five <laughs> minutes while they have this really long discussion, and she's just there holding this like heavy looking tray of like <laughs> coffee. That's all I could focus on. I was like, "Can you put the tray down?" <laughs> and I'm sure when they were shooting this too, she probably had to hold that tray for four hours. Yeah, and they filled it with coffee. Those weren't <laughs> prop mugs. It's yeah, it's heavy ceramic full of coffee. Yep, but. Tess is cool about it. Yeah. She actually handles this, I think, really well, uh, as opposed to maybe in a later episode where she does not handle another of Duncan's female friends well. She's like across the board in these episodes. It's like pretty inconsistent. Yeah. Like with Duncan. The next scene, Duncan goes to uh, Grace's apartment, I guess, to get her things. However, the police are there. LeBron. LeBron is there. And also, how is he back over and over again? I don't know. I think this is his last episode, though. It seems like it. I think so. Um, Also, uh, something we didn't get to talk about before. I have a theory now on why maybe these police officers keep changing. Like, they want to have this police element, so they want to have them in every episode. Um, I was wondering if it has to do with, like, their pay scale. Like, if you're in so many episodes with so much dialogue, you become a series regular, like Randy McFarlane, and you probably get a pay hike, your name in the credits... And so right. maybe this is a budgetary decision. It's like, oh, well, we can have a police officer in it for four episodes. If they're in the fifth, their pay goes up. So that's kind of how things work. That's my guess. That's the only reason I can think that the yeah. cops keep changing. That that jives. That jives, baby. I kind of like LeBron just because he's so surly. And he's always just like, uh, McLeod, how'd I guess you were going to show up? Yeah, he's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. So, yeah, Detective... Of course, like Detective Mr. Clean is there and he is just, again, he's goes straight to accusations. Yep. But I laughed out loud because at one point he reaches into his own pocket and pulls out a gun inside a freezer bag. <laughs> it's a Ziploc bag that he just stuffed in his pocket. <laughs> and he's saying if this gun that was found in Grace's apartment matches the ballistics that, that shot Paul... <laughs> Then he's just going to throw Grace in prison. He's like, and you know, McLeod, there is a thing as accessory to murder. (laughs) There is a thing as there is such a thing as I can't talk. So this is another one of those things. It's like, I would have liked it if Duncan had at least looked into whether or not this might have been her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He immediately trusts her. Yeah. He immediately thinks it's Carlos Sendero. So that's odd, I suppose, because he's usually a pretty suspicious sort. He is. I guess he just trusts Grace. Yeah. Which, do we actually establish that they have a romantic history or not? Uh, you know, yes. later scene in the park, I think they mentioned yeah. they've, they've had a little tryst together. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so in the next scene, they're on the barge, and Duncan is trying to convince Grace that she should leave the country. And his argument for this is, LeBron's no fool. Like, he's going to figure this out. It's like, hold on. In, like, every other episode, you're like, he's a fucking dum-dum. <laughs> yeah. And same thing with the other cops. Like, yeah. in Seacouver, he's, uh, what was the, the cop's name? Bennett. Bennett, he's yeah. like, Lieutenant Bennett's a moron. And then an episode later, he's like, Bennett's a, Bennett's good, a cop. good cop. Like, yeah. It's like, what? This guy couldn't solve a crime out of a paper bag or whatever it was. <laughs> it's absurd. But then, so LeBron shows up at the barge, but he doesn't knock or like, ring. he's just, he's shouting, just shouting at the barge. 
McLeod. <laughs> Q-tip shouts at Barge. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, he's been there before. Like, I yeah. don't, so there's, he can't knock. Yeah. Richie goes to get the speedboat. Like, they're going to make an escape. Right. Uh, he's like, got it, boss, which is good. He calls yeah. Mac boss. Yep. Which um, he does it eight times in this episode. Yeah. I don't know what the hell that was about because I don't think it comes back. Might have been a some... contest to see how many times he <laughs> could say boss. Mac goes on the shore to talk to LeBron. And I guess LeBron wants to come in. They have an argument about like cop logic. It's like, well, you're hiding something if you don't want me to come in. So it's like, fine, you can come in. So then LeBron goes to like walk in the wheelhouse of the boat. And Mac's like, no, that's the entrance is over here. And it's like, again, he's been there. Yeah. He's been in this barge before. And all of a sudden he's like, I don't know where to go. Like, <laughs> where's the door? I just thought he was snooping. Oh, uh, was that it? Yeah, that was my that could be. Yeah. Which on that topic, how on earth do they manage to get off of a moored boat without him noticing yeah also on a speedboat which by the way are not stealth boats <laughs> yeah how did he not hear that boat going away? yeah and or not notice two people trying to sneak onto it as it goes away it's like how yeah. how did how does this work right how does this not result in him being like oh i knew you were concealing this fugitive there she goes so richie in the barge is like throwing cards into a bucket or like a hat yeah, it's or like something or something yeah yeah it's pretty funny it's really actually very funny <laughs> yeah. and especially because this whole time there are these like weird music cues and super rapid cuts going on well the thing that's crazy about this is yeah this scene is being intercut with grace and tess are now on the sh like ashore and i guess they're trying to get to safety like with darius or something so anyway it's this is so odd because they get the or uh, grace gets the buzz Right. And it's like, someone's after me. It's it's probably Carlos. He's going to kill me. Yeah. And so they're running for their lives. And then they just cut back. And Richie's like, eh, and he's yeah. throwing cards <laughs> in a vase. So it's like this weird tonal shift. It's Don't worry, odd. everybody. Richie gets one in. Yep. Yeah. So Grace ends up being, I guess, accosted by Carlo. And he drags her into the church. And they talk. And then Duncan shows up. I'm not sure how he got there so fast. Because yeah. seconds ago... LeBron just left, and then he, I guess, books it down to the church to meet up with them? It's well, like, pretty quick. In the bomb episode, he ran <laughs> from LeBron's car into the museum and found the statue and disarmed it in five minutes. <laughs> He's very fast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then we get this uh, flashback to 1840 duncan looks awesome he's yeah in a stovetop hat yep and uh, he's basically intercepting grace and carlo from going away yeah they're gonna go to the amazon i guess she wants to do research and find new medicines and he is a slaver with a plantation yeah <laughs> larger than paris a rubber plantation and then duncan like warns grace about him he's like i've heard carlo doesn't like give anything up once he has it it's like huh like how did you find that out? Like, and that's what a weird that? thing. How did someone say that? That's like I'm a rumor going around about him. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you sure know someone... what they say about that guy. Like, Yeah, he holds on to things tight. It's like, what it was the example? Like, maybe say that he tried to murder his former ex-girlfriend, if that's what you heard. Yeah. Right. Well, and there is the, the continuing theme in Highlander where the women or the woman belongs to the man. Because yeah. Carlo says, she's mine now. Forever. Yeah. Ever. Right. Yeah. But it gets really tense with with the two of them like yep. they're, they're both threatening each other yeah uh also it's a little weird i'll talk about it a little later more but like carlos must be an okay guy grace seems to be a great person she fell in love with him and was with him for a hundred years like i i kind of wish that he was not quite a, as much of a dick like she must have liked him for some reason like well, i think he changes like she mentions that he changed over time yeah so 
maybe i don't know but i don't know he doesn't seem like he seems like such an asshole now like yeah so i don't know what's the deal or he puts on a different face for her or i don't know people change or yeah seasons change hide stuff that's true yeah and hide <laughs> stuff because by the way guy was apparently a slaver yeah so yeah this guy's very evil yeah oh uh, we're back at the church with more amazing grace yeah this time the beavers yep <laughs> And I just have a note here, enough with amazing grace. <laughs> the first time it happened, I laughed out loud. Like the, the first time it yeah. started playing, I was just like, oh, and started laughing. By the third time, I was like, shut up. And they're going to play it at least two more times in this episode, <laughs> just FYI. So it kind of just fizzles out at the church. Yeah. Carlo leaves. And then we go to a pretty cool clip of cops talking about finding grace. Oh, yeah. This clip's amazing. Yeah, so let's play this. LeBron is going crazy. He has McLeod's barge covered. We have to watch the church. The Shanda girl might try to contact the priest, uh, Darius. Uh, Darius. <laughs> Darius? Oh, man. Uh, the so, priest, uh, Darius. <laughs> so it, this this dialogue is definitely 80 yard. Yeah. Fl- like, he flubs it? Like, he's yeah. like, uh, the Darius? Uh, it's like, just do it again? It's real, man. It's real. <laughs> also... Another level of crazy to this is these two characters. It's two police officers talking to yep. each other, and they are sitting in the car together. They, they get, get they out. get out of the car, speak over the hood of the car, and then get back in the car <laughs> and drive away. <laughs> That's amazing. This is my favorite scene. <sighs> yeah, it might be one of the best scenes in the the episode. Which quick thing about the church scene before we move on from it. So just a little wrinkle on holy ground. Can you be ineffectually violent on holy ground? Because she kind of gives them like a, I don't know, child punching. Oh, yeah, she right. like claws at him and stuff. Yeah, yeah, she claws at him for murdering Paul, which he still denies. Yeah, he doesn't affirmatively deny doing it. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's not very threatening. I mean, it's not like right, he's right. actually in jeopardy from what she's doing. Right. But she does like lay hands on him and yeah. you know. That's that's a good, good question. Point. Yeah. Which then also led me to wonder, because he kind of absconds with her into the holy ground. Can you drag another immortal onto and or off of holy ground? Can you oh, like yeah. go into holy ground and like grab someone by their like the scruff of their neck and drag them out onto the street? That's a really good point. And what's the demarcation? Is it like right outside the gate? Like could I chop your head off like right in front of the door of a church? Yeah, because in previous episodes, like once I feel like once they've crossed over that gate into like the yard of the church, that's holy ground. And they have right. plenty of conversations in like the yard. Right. And that's holy ground. But it's just the I mean, I don't know. Hmm. It's God's yard, Keith. Yeah. Next, uh, Richie is in a graveyard looking for a suitable identity for Grace to take over. And he finds uh, a gravestone that says Isabel Pontan. And she was only alive for eight days and he's like ah, you missed a hell of a party uh but this is a carryover from the movie uh where when they take identities they t- they take babies which is i guess huh. kind, of, kind of dark but yeah uh, the idea is that they they want to find someone that's like a suitable age and died very young uh, right. so they don't have like a paper trail but they can still use like their birth certificate i guess or huh. i guess that's it that must be what it is so when richie returns from this mission to give mac the info he says sup boss <laughs> So when Richie shows back up, he informs Mac of like that LeBron's men are outside. He's like, yeah, they're still staking the place out and they're not very good at it. So Duncan manages to forge her an ID in some way. 
and gets all that taken care of right using this dead baby's identity and then it cuts to tess and grace visiting fucking paul's grave and i'm like why isn't his grave being staked out why is this grave being staked out how is he buried already right. <laughs> all the services this is insane <laughs> this is a very fast burial yeah and uh, so Sindaro is there waiting for Grace. And he's like picking like flowers that are on somebody else's <laughs> grave to like give to her. And it's just like he's doing it right in front of her. It's very weird. No, I should have thought I thought I thought I had enough to stake this place out, not enough to get flowers. Yeah. So, here you go. <laughs> so they have a whole discussion about how I guess he started to dominate the people. That yeah. he was like and treating uh like demanding the villagers worship him uh, like yeah. a god uh so he's terrible sounds like christopher columbus yeah basically sandaro gets away with grace again like they make tess go away i don't know how yeah again holy ground what are the rules yeah. what are the yeah rules? Like, like did they sneak past tess inside like i don't know how they get off of there like, like grace just agreed i mean it's like i mean there are cases where somebody does stay with like an abusive spouse not to get into too heavy territory here but maybe it's a bit of like stockholm syndrome or something on grace's part i don't know if she was doing it maybe to protect tess like maybe did oh, that's he, what did, tess says did he yeah. like threaten her at some point and we don't see that and that is what tess says she tess yeah. says i think she did it to protect me but again they were on holy ground why didn't they just stay also side note they're also surrounded by people there are yeah. other people yeah. in the background just go stand near them right. and say like hey can i mourn your dead guy for a while and perfect cover yeah. or yep. better yet there's a dangerous man here i don't want him to be near me yeah yeah so this whole thing is again problematic yep so Tess runs back to Duncan. It's like, he's got her. Like, we got to save her. And he's like, okay, let's go. My question at this point is, weren't LeBron's men staking out Duncan's place? Like, uh -huh. they don't follow him where he goes. Like, nope. Like, I don't know. That that plot point becomes pointless. Yeah. Like, they, they never use this idea of them staking It comes It comes out. into play later, but... I guess when they stake out Darius, yeah. the church. Again, but, they're sticking out the barge, though, looking for her. They never established that they're tailing Duncan. I guess not. Because yeah. Tessa comes back without right. her. Right. Duncan goes to the, the spot where the flashback took place and finds them packing to leave again. Right. And But Grace isn't there. She yeah. is getting like picking up her passport. How? Another weird time thing. It's like, he just filled out that paperwork. It's yeah. like, something tells me you don't get a, a passport in a day. There is a service where you can uh, pay a little extra money and get that passport quick. A day quick? Yeah, sometimes. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Maybe that's what she did. Yeah. Uh, but then, on top I just assumed it wasn't even an official passport. Yeah, I, I thought it was it a was forgery. forgery. Yeah. yeah, but maybe it's not. I no, don't know. I, I don't I don't she know. had to go to some office to pick it up. But yeah. like, she's unaccompanied. I don't understand that. Like, yeah. she's off getting this thing. Like, why couldn't she just, just escape? Just escape. I yeah. don't. I don't understand. And so D Carlo is waiting for Duncan there. He's like, yep. I knew you'd come here. Yep. And it's like, really? Okay. Like, yeah. Uh, like that's why he chose to go there was mm -hmm. because he knew Duncan would also go there. I don't yeah. know. I thought it was. It was a little weird. puzzling. Yeah. Uh, they, I think this episode, actually, they have a hard time getting people from, like, A to B yeah. all over the place, which is usually not a problem they have. Uh, usually they have other problems in yeah. these episodes. But I feel like it's really clunky, like, how characters, like, move the plot along. So they get down to business and start their sword fighting. And he's got almost like a machete. Machete. Yeah, which his is, sword's pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool, and it also seems thematically appropriate, yeah. since he was, like, a plantation guy like a lot of shit he was practically yeah. also a piece of farming equipment for... and it's like it's almost like in a holster like it's on his side or something like and he like pulls it out yeah because at least somebody in this show has a scabbard yeah <laughs> seriously 
And for all you video game nerds, I thought it kind of looked like one of Cloud Swords from Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, not the not the normal one. No, yeah, not the not the Buster the Sword. sword. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not that one. <laughs> yeah, but there's like a like a Mithril Sword that's like a little shorter that kind of looks like that. So I thought that was cool. But Grace comes and it's like, hey, stop! And they're like, okay. <laughs> and if I was Duncan, I would have been like, hey, why? Remember yeah. when this guy's kidnapping you and I'm saving you? But then Duncan just grabs her and they walk away. Carlo lets them go. Yeah. But then when they're leaving, like, so they're sword fighting. You know, sword fights are loud. And they're in this long hallway, which, like, I'm guessing would echo. And when Duncan's, like, taking her away, like, the street is packed with people. So I'm like, nobody heard this. Nobody thought to, like, <laughs> look at this fight. I mean, that's nitpicky, but. Well, I thought they were on. I, I assumed that was his property. Right. So maybe they're far enough away yeah magic elapsed time carlo just lets them leave yeah they meet up later with tess at a cafe and they have a whole discussion about how she's sick of running and changing her name but tess is like at least you have a choice like mo- most people don't get to choose uh, yeah which is interesting uh, but then this is this is crazy she wants to say goodbye and not let duncan protect her she's like i don't need protecting and it's like, that's what Duncan has been doing the entire episode. And that's yeah. why you, like, came to him. It was like, yep. help me. Like, and yep. now she's like, I don't want anyone to protect me. Well, she comes to Darius, not to Duncan. I'm assuming then she went to Darius for help and protecting. Yeah. Or something. It's weird. Mm. It is weird. This, this character is interesting, but kind of poorly developed. Well, the other thing is, how'd she make it this long without a sword? Because yeah, she, doesn't she doesn't have a sword. No, and she doesn't seem to like fighting at all. Yeah. Like, and when she met Duncan in the flashback, she was just like, well, I'm not going to fight. Yeah, and like, she's at least as old as Duncan. So she's at at least f- well, 400 years old. Yeah. Like, well, maybe not 400. Yeah. But she could be older. She could. Yeah. She, but like, I assume that flashback was like 200 years right, ago or 300 right, right. years ago. How'd she make it this long? By running. I mean, she does say that she says in that she's too tired to run, but right. she doesn't imply that she hasn't run in the past or anything. Yeah. Sure. So the the cops were right. She does try to drop in on Darius. Darius. So she goes to say goodbye because, you know, she just can't write a letter or make a phone call or yeah. anything like that. She nope. has to go see him. Mm-hmm. But Detective Q-Tip is on hand and waiting and he ends up arresting her. Yeah, and then Carlo appears. Well, does Carlo dispatch, like, two cops before he gets to LeBron? Yeah. Did he kill them? I can't remember. Mm. I'm not sure. His sword's out, though. Yeah, he fucks he, him he up. He might have killed him, yeah. He fucks him up. And then LeBron comes and, like, handcuffs himself to her. And then Carlo is like, all right, I'm going to get you now. And LeBron shoots him in the gut. And he looks kind of sad about it. <laughs> <Or> pissed <laughs> off. LeBron then very... Officers down, by the way. Yeah. Yep. Very <laughs> casually is just like, like this is so much paperwork, basically, yeah. is what he does. And he like goes to very casually and slowly call it in. Yeah. He's like, Detective Turnip here. We've got a <laughs> we've got a dead man here. Yeah. But of course we, we don't. He's back up. Right. Yep. And then a Grace, I guess, is like, he's the one that killed Paul. And he's like, Good good try pinning it on a dead man. Yeah. Uh, so Oh, you're fast. That's what he says. <laughs> LeBron just has so much disdain for every, any, everybody. Like everyone. He must be a joy at Christmas dinner. The drag, though, is he's pretty much always right. Duncan yeah. is always involved. Like, yep. Duncan is always killing the people he's investigating. Yep. Yeah. LeBron, wish you were better at your job, yeah. guy. Yeah. I, I like the fake out that we get. Uh, so, Carlo raises his sword up, like, to Grace, and it's like, oh, is he going to chop our head off? But it's a fake out, and he 
breaks the uh, the handcuffs, which I thought was cool. I thought I, he was going to chop LeBron's hand off. That's yeah, I thought, I thought he was going to ask. So then his hand would finally be useless. Yeah. like he threatened in that first episode <laughs> yeah, we saw of him. That's right. Oh, you son of a bitch, McCloud! My hand is garbage now. That kind of would be funny if they kept on doing stuff to his hand. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he keeps giving the same speech, yeah. but it comes back fine. <laughs> Chop his hand off, and it's there the next episode. Uh, so Darius calls Duncan and informs him, like that grace has been kidnapped and duncan flips shit it's awesome he slams the phone oh, he slams down. the phone like, down, over like, yeah <laughs> so then duncan's off to take care of carla so he tracks him to the same fucking spot yeah. again and he's like this time it's over and he takes the keys and like throws them well this is <laughs> crazy also so carlo is not right there like when he ar- duncan arrives on the scene yeah. grace is sitting in the car yep. alone with yep. the keys in the ignition mm-hmm. and it's like grace like drive away get out of there. like <laughs> this is the second time she's been like left alone with a perfectly like plausible way to escape and yep. she doesn't so nope. yeah i mean are we supposed to assume that this is like battered woman syndrome or that's what something? i was thinking I don't, yeah Understand. It has to be something They like don't play that. it up that much, though, which yeah. actually would have been an interesting dynamic. Yeah. So then Duncan's like, all right, Grace, we're, we're leaving. He throws the keys. And then LeBron just, like, sneaks up behind him or just goes, like, Arr! and, like, <laughs> jumps on him like a panther or something. It's just like Duncan's guard is completely down. Yeah. Carlo could have just killed him right there. He could have just whoop, chopped his head off right then and there. And we're, there was no buzz there, I guess, because he was with... What's the deal? Okay, here's a new question. What's the deal with the buzz if you're already with somebody? Like, if it's still buzzing for one immortal and then a second one comes in, do you get, like, a double a buzz? buzz? We do establish in the gathering that if there are multiple immortals within buzz range... Buzz range. <laughs> <laughs> within the immortal Spidey Sense range, yeah. you don't necessarily know how many immortals are nearby. Right. Right, because... Yeah, because you also slam- don't know who it is. Right. It's yeah. just you know one is there, so... Yeah. So because Slan the Cat is there, but right. they don't get a separate buzz when Connor joins the party. Right. Because so, it yeah. happened all in one go. So Carlo gets the drop on Duncan, and Carlo gets away with Grace in tow. Well, also, they run away because there's police sirens. Right. And I was wondering, like, that they're coming. And it's like, who called the police? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Either. And how did, like, I don't know. How do they know to go? Like, that means Duncan must have called? I guess. Like, I don't know. There were no clues to lead them to this place, I'm assuming. Yeah, not that I can remember. Mm. So, Maybe Darius called them. So they, they, they flee. They, mm-hmm. they end up running down to the uh, the metro station. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Yeah, Duncan talks like Batman at one point. He's like, it ends here. Yeah. Which is pretty good. Swear to me, I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of Batman talk in this episode. Yeah. 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 Uh, so they, they start having it out in the tunnel. Uh, which is a cool setting for a fight. It's really cool. I, I, I like this. And I, I liked it too, but I I knew it was going to happen the entire time, but it was just like, uh, with the jacket, apparently the secret weapon to every fight is a goddamn jacket because it's used multiple times <laughs> as like the unescapable super move. <laughs> like, oh, let me throw a jacket at you. It's like, yeah. you think you got webbed by Spider-Man or like... <laughs> <laughs> anyway like that's yeah. that's the other immortals best friend is the trench coat yeah because carlo so to explain carlo has his trench coat wrapped around his own hand like it's stuck in a beehive he's got it wrapped around his hand the, the entire fight and at one point he throws it at duncan and he's like oh <laughs> and carlo uses that as a way to trap his foot 
inside the, the, the train rail, Yeah, the track. But then later, the jacket's on the ground, and Duncan throws it back at him. <laughs> and, like, the same thing happens. It's like, oh, I'm beaten. He, like, is afraid of this cloth that's thrown at him <laughs> and like steps back and his sword hits the third rail is that what we're supposed to yeah, believe yeah and it gets like basically just unforced error gets electrocuted yeah. yeah and then he falls over and there's a train coming and his head like goes right on, on the, the track and the the train cuts his head off yeah which is the other thing you knew was gonna happen yeah. the entire like time. you knew there was gonna be a third rail thing and you knew there was gonna be a head choppy offy trainee <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that. Yep. So then Duncan gets his quickening on. Yep. And Grace has run away, so she doesn't do anything in this scene. No. I, I kind of don't know if I like that she ran away. Like, they, they always play up that, like, when there's more than one immortal, like, if, if he gets a quickening, like, you're always weakened by the quickening. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, if Carla wins, like, maybe she should just step in and finish the job afterwards. I don't know. Yeah. But she just gets out of there. Well, she runs away. Also, she runs away when Duncan's foot gets caught. So I'm like, you can't help at yeah. all? Like, you can't, I like, don't know. re-switch that lever that got his foot caught? Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. But Duncan was telling her to go, so I don't know. Also, Duncan uses his sword as, like, a pry bar to get his foot unstuck, and I can't imagine that is good for nope. a sword. No. That's good swordsmanship there, Duncan. <laughs> Well, he is running around without it in a scabbard, as we've discussed <laughs> lots of times. Like, he, like, picks his teeth with it. <laughs> he cuts cheese for crackers with it. I'm just picturing the first Ninja Turtles movie yep. where they're using yeah. it to, like, chop vegetables. Yeah, that's, and that's the pizza. Doesn't he chop up the pizza with it? Yeah, they throw he it does. in the air and he chops but it But isn't up. pizza already pre-cut? Can we talk about Ninja Turtles for a couple <laughs> minutes here? <laughs> well, we t- discussed uh, the Shredder outfit in The Beast Below. So, so when, they're, they're strongly linked, apparently. Yeah. So when, when, when the Ninja Ninja Turtles want a pepperoni. <laughs> Does Michelangelo use the pepperoni like sticks like nunchucks and Leonardo cuts up? That's how they cut the pepperoni. You know what I'm talking <laughs> no, about? He does yeah. use them as nunchucks in uh, Ninja Turtles 2. The Does god-awful he? Ninja the Turtles The secret too. of the ooze? Yeah. Ooh. He uses them, then he throws them at them and threatens, next time I'll use mustard. But that's really not the point. <laughs> it's time for more Islander. Okay. Uh, so after this this big fight, we're back on the barge, and this is like the the, the wrap up of the episode. Grace thanks everybody. Oh, this doesn't make any. And then sense. like Luigi is outside, like loading up a taxi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like, oh well, the investigation's over now. Right. I'm like, how? Yeah, yeah, you didn't catch your person, and there's no a, one's caught ever. There, there's a decapitated person in the subway. Like, no murderer was caught. Grace is still on the loose. How is the case yeah, over? Yeah, this is, like, wide open. This is, like, <laughs> this is crazy level open. And you have two injured, possibly murdered police officers and an, and an assaulted, like, high-ranking police detective. Yeah, this thing is so far from over. Yeah. Like, the, the bards would be crawling with cops anyway. <laughs> Once again, just really, this police element is so problematic. Yep. It's so problematic. Oh, and then, so the way the episode ends is, I guess, uh, Grace says she's beginning to understand what Sindaro felt, like loving someone who doesn't love her back. And it's implied that now she loves Duncan. I thought she was talking about Richie. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. A virile young lover. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did get that card in the, in the vase. Yeah. Very impressive. Oh, she wasn't there to see that, though. Anyway, sorry. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, I, I actually, I like this episode a lot. I like the way it, like, explores the theme from, like, a lot of different angles. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I, I wrote like a list of all the different themes that they cover. It's like loving a mortal and losing them. That's like a thing that Grace does. Uh, falling in love, falling out of love, unrequited love, getting over a previous love. Like Duncan and Grace are able to, able to split apart amicably. Right. But obviously Carlos can't. Uh, there's jealousy at play with Tess and Grace, um, choosing who you are, how power corrupts, and then also uh, having no chance of anyone ever loving you due to being a big shitbird. That's like <laughs> that's one of LeBron's themes, I think. Uh, being, being a shitbird? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think that's what LeBron means in English. <laughs> shitbird? Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing is surprisingly well thematically linked throughout, but the, the plot is just like plot point, plot point. Plot point. It's there's no glue that yeah. connects anything together. Agree. Like, Which is weird again because it's like the opposite of most of the other episodes. Like usually yeah. the other episodes are so focused on like how do we get this character here? Like who does what? And like that like the mechanics are all there, but then they like end up skipping over kind of the interesting stuff about this these these stories that they can explore. Yeah. And this one has the yeah, the the opposite problem. Huh. Uh, and the other thing that I I wish was just a little different was I wish. Carlo was not evil. When he becomes like this warlord crazy person, that's when she decides to leave. Right. And I wish it wasn't for like bad reasons like that. Like I wish it was just like, well, they were together for a hundred years and they fall out of love. Like that way it's a more like relatable story. Like, you know what I mean? Like not many of us end up falling in love with genocidal monsters. Right. And we're like, you know, maybe this relationship is over. But <laughs> Speak for yourself, Keith. Like, <laughs> uh, but if it was kind of just a, a little bit more normal like it's like if they just grew apart and she was not like into it anymore and but maybe he was i don't know i think that would be a more relatable story yeah we'd also kind of understand why she was with him in the first place because he comes out of the gate as a dickhead yeah so we're like why does she even like him but she there must have been something she liked about him uh, well he is a very attractive man and he used to be an adventurer yeah. that's right uh so anyway I, I wish that that part of the plot was just a little different yeah yeah i mean i thought this was a good episode for as much as i tore it apart right? yeah no i, I <laughs> like, think this is a great episode actually yeah, yeah. I think it's okay. The, <laughs> the plot elements of it do leave a lot to be desired, I think. Yeah. And just the the totally unsatisfying resolution of the episode is yep. a bit much. It's got some really strong points, though. Yeah. I'd say it's still in, like, the upper 50% of the season. Yeah. Oh, totally. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Also, I just one note I wrote down. Duncan thinks that Grace is amazing because she's working on an antiviral vaccine. <laughs> right. Very good. So it's just like... A generic medical thing here. She does doctor things. Me like doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a little uh, trivia for this uh, episode. Um, apparently, Bill Panzer says uh, their accountant on the show had a friend who was an opera singer. He, he talks in an inter interview on the DVD how expensive licensing recorded music is. And so this opera singer friend came into the studio one day and recorded Amazing Grace. And wow. that's what, and so they were able to, they weren't planning on using it, I guess, because it was going to be too expensive, which seems crazy. It's like, Isn't, that's, a, that's, that's not an public old, domain. Exactly. Like, that's an old hymn. It's like, there's got to be a million recordings of it. And yeah. I'm sure some of them are pretty cheap like i don't know maybe not maybe not maybe yeah, not i guess not yeah <laughs> uh and then from the watcher chronicles just a little info on the two immortals in this episode Ooh. grace Shandell was born in 1372 in duchy of lorraine her first death was in 1402 and she was stoned as a witch for her herbal remedies oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and then carlos was born in 1498 in braga portugal uh, and his first death was in 1534 from a poison blowgun dart while exploring the Amazon. And I think by exploring the Amazon, they mean conquering the Amazon like a 
piece of shit. Yep. Well, maybe not at first, because that's the he goes from being an explorer to being a, a conqueror. Is he like Sean Connery in Medicine Man? <laughs> <laughs> See, here's a this is kind of funny. I just thought of this because the stone for a witch thing. That's like a weird confirmation bias kind of thing. Because imagine if you thought someone was a witch, you stoned them to death, and then they came back to life. Yeah. Wow. They they rise up like the mushrooms at our feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, you're right. Witches are real. We need to kill this thing. Yeah. yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, she kind of is a witch. They should have, like, an episode where it's, like, the Crucible, but with Highlander. Do they yeah. do that? I don't know if they ever do. That would be interesting because, yeah. like, they could have some outsider come to a town and be like, "Why are you like hunting for witches?" And they're like, "No, for real. Like, they're real." Like, Dude, we, have- <laughs> we found one. That's funny. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, good. Good episode overall. I think this this yep. is definitely in the the top bracket of, of my season one episodes. Yeah, um, I agree. So yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, make sure to write us in if you have any thoughts on this. Write us at uh, Highlander Rewatched at Gmail Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Highlander Rewatched, and on Twitter at The Rewatchers. Um, also, if you haven't gone on iTunes and given us a rating, definitely do that. And make sure you share the show with your friends. Uh, we want to get as many people listening to this as possible and appreciating the wide world of Highlander. <laughs> Join us next week when our episode will be episode 18, The Lady and the Tiger. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you. Bye-bye. Here, here's a, a very subtle uh, new Seacouver clue. Uh, Richie makes a comment. He's like, you know, if we were back in the States, I'd have no problem getting an ID and all this stuff for you in no time. And it's yeah. like, oh, Seacouver is in America. Yeah. Because I guess that's a that was never, effect. Was, that was, yeah. I don't think that was ever established yeah. concretely, was it? I mean, other than well, from the fact Richie. that people are constantly wearing like American, American flag <laughs> shit. And, yeah, like, that's true. Every, a bunch of American <laughs> accents, and they repeatedly <laughs> describe themselves as being American. Other than, other than all those hints, I guess we never established those in the United States. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yep. Just saying. Owned. <laughs> oh, man. That's amazing. But yeah, Seacouver is in the United States. You know what so would have been, been more amazing if they they made up a fake name for Paris. If this wasn't really Paris, even yeah. though it looks like it. <laughs> so, uh... But... So... Bleh.